So before we turn it over to the Brothers-in-Law podcast, uh, Shannon, I just want to turn it over to you and get your thoughts and opinions about today's proceedings and, and the victory percentages from uh, the trial today. Skip, we've come to an important crossroads today because today I saw Skip two of the president's closest associates become felon skip. They became felon skip. Now, 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 everybody wants us to believe that this is all a coincidence, skip. It's a coincidence. There's no way that they really could become felons. Well, I am here today, Skip, to tell you and the people in America, I got my miles in that hen already, and I'm willing to place a bet. Skip, I predict that Paul Manafort will be pardoned by Donald J. Trump. You heard it here first, Skip. And Skip, Omarosa, she find a frog here. Skip. I agree. I'm telling you. I totally understand, but you know, these things tend to happen when you're shooting a free throw percentage of less than 7%, which the president is currently doing. What else can you do? What's going on, family? How's everybody doing? It's been a long time, but we're glad to be back with you once again. As always, I'm Jesse McCoy, and I'm joined by the world's foremost legal humorist, Sean Carter. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I, I'm not doing as well as Amoroso, but I'm I'm doing all right. <laughs> you gotta get your TV spots back, man. She's competing with you, man. She she she. she I, I had my one CNN interview. She she got one every hour. <laughs> yeah, man. So for for the people who don't know what's going on with Amoroso, can you break down kind of help us understand? Where's Omarosa at and your journey with Omarosa over the course of the past <laughs> week? <laughs> well, see, I did have a journey with Omarosa. Happened to be out in L.A. visiting my, my pops last week. And on my ro- ride back, I decided to get the Omarosa audiobook. Got about a six-hour drive. Figure I can knock out about half the book in the middle of the night. Nothing else to do. I'm driving back. And uh, Omarosa is um, keeping me awake from sheer frustration. And, and, and just, um, pissed off Ivity. Um, and me yelling I'm, back at wanna, the recording. I want to be clear, you know, just, just so our listeners know, um, uh, th- this was a bootleg copy, right? This wasn't, <laughs> this wasn't a purchase copy. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say that to so keep my black cred, but unfortunately I posted on Facebook <laughs> and 
Otherwise, I got people who won't want to report me to the bar. So no, no, no. It's actually a, a copy, an audio <laughs> copy I bought from uh, Audible um, with my own credits there. And, and, and the thing about it was, is that one, the first half of the book is very frustrating because I'm hearing about everything that ever happened to Amorosa. Fourth grade, she got a, a boo-boo on her elbow, took a couple weeks to heal, the scab <laughs> kept falling off, you know, that type of stuff, right? Um, okay. You know, a very interesting life. And we'll get to that in a minute because we both read the Wikipedia. You know, the thing about her book, though, is that I'm waiting for her to spill the tea. Right. And I'm not talking right. about Lipton. Right. I'm talking about some, you know, some fancy Earl Grey. Right. With the, the bags with, the, you know, very shiny bags. You know, some good tea. <laughs> right. And she coming right. out there with just regular old Lipton. Right. Even the kind of the bags ain't so good. So you get little leaves in your mouth like that kind of tea, your bad tea, um, you know, mm. with, with no sweet and low, just, just, just regular, um, you know, <laughs> that yellow, whatever that yellow saccharine thing is, <laughs> uh, just bad, bad tea. And she's not really giving up the goods. Uh, I have a theory on what's going on with, 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 with Amoroso, but let's go back a second, pull up a wiki page, and let's talk about the sister and sort of give her her story for those of you who don't who are on, aren't on a first name basis with uh, Amorosa Manigault Newman. Right. So you know we do have listeners from Australia. There you um, go. Shout out to yeah. you guys, hey mates. Um, and so Amorosa Manigault Newman, she. First came to fame in The Apprentice, which is where I'm assuming, uh, where Donald Trump was, uh, became her, her mentor, mm-hmm. uh, and taught her everything he knew so she would ultimately be able to use it against him. Uh, but before that, she had a very <laughs> interesting life. So she's born in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, and it seems like her, her father, who was a truck driver, actually was murdered, uh, when she was very young. Um, she was able to go to school. She got a broadcast journalism degree. Uh, she moved to DC, went to Howard, got a master's degree. She was working on the doctorate and she even did some biblical studies at, uh, Payne Theological Seminary, which mm-hmm. was very surprising to me because she didn't strike me as anything related to biblical. No disrespect. <laughs> but it just, it just, well, by the way, it. we're talking about this is, this is pastor. Uh, Manigault Newman. Right, right. Or she's married to actually a right. pastor now, big, big church. Right. And, and she's actually, you know, in the pulpit half the weekends, um, you know, doing, do, doing, doing her thing. So, you know, she says that, you know, that's her thing. I, you know, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give it to her. I was struck by the fact that, you know, this is actually a very intelligent woman. Um, yeah. and, you know, as all speech talked about, multi-talented, the beauty queen, volleyball scholarship going to college, you know, the kind of woman who gets an internship to the White House. Did you have an internship at the White House? Yeah, me either. Nope. I, I didn't have the internship to, to the greenhouse, right? Uh, right, right? Even the Waffle House wouldn't give me one, right? So, I mean, this is an impressive sister. <laughs> she meets Donald Trump in the first season of Apprentice, and she tells a story, and I don't want to get too much into it because I, I hated that I had to hear all this, but it tells something about her where she decides she wants to really win The Apprentice, as most people do. She decides her strategy is going to be not to stay out of the boardroom. The boardroom is where you go and they decide who was at fault that week and they fire someone in the boardroom. So if you're not in the boardroom, you're safe. She says, I want to go in the boardroom every week. I want to be one of the people that's up for firing so that I can, so that I can, Trump can hear from me one-on-one. He can finally get to know who I am. That's a bold strategy. 
right? To put yourself up mm-hmm. every week. And so before long, she is up every week and she starts to play the game Trump's way. And Trump's way is to cause a lot of mayhem. Right to act a fool to accuse other people of stuff. And when her claim to fame is, she accused someone in the first season of of calling her the N word. Right. Right. And so she's already sort of starting trouble. And 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 Trump, you know, as creditor, I saw him, you know, say it on um, on one season on an interview once that the reason the show sort of took off is because of her craziness originally. Absolutely. She eventually gets fired that first season. She goes back for two other seasons, an all-star celebrity uh, uh, apprentice and then all-star apprentice. She even does a reality show where he 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 uh, he, he uh, underwrote for her that was on BET, Finding Love, right? That type of thing. You know, one of those uh, Flavor of Love, right, with, with type, type shows. So she starts making her career sort of in reality TV works for the National Enquirer for a while. And then in 2015 or so, Trump calls her and says, Hey, I'm running for president. Come on board. And this is where Amarosa and the black community, uh, we had a little falling out. Well, to be honest, my falling out with her was from season one of the apprentice. <laughs> and me in the back. I haven't forgotten that, but be that as it may. Um, <laughs> So, you still, man, you hold old grudges. <laughs> so, something that people might also be interested in knowing, and I didn't know this beforehand, uh, Omarosa is the first person, well, not the first, but uh, I think Joe Lieberman did it too, who is both Democrat and Republican. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. So before Trump comes calling, she's working, and I, I want to keep, I, I forget the name of the group, but it's, it's a group that is trying to work for, um, and, you know, black outreach for Hillary Clinton. So before Hillary announces she's going to run, they're getting their stuff together. It's like, you know, one of these, um, think tape places. They've gotten some demographics together, some polling, and Hillary, instead of tapping her boss as her head of, you know, minority outreach or whatever, taps someone else, a friend of theirs. And Amarosa feels so betrayed that she doesn't just switch candidates and go to Bernie. She switched parties. You're absolutely right. So she was a Democrat as, as recently as 2015. Right. And she decides to jump on the Trump train. I'm sorry, not the Trump train. Yeah, the <laughs> train. Choo choo. All right. And, and she's going to be his now. You know, I love this. Her, his head of minority outreach. Now, now uh, they reached about eight people, but yeah, but, but I mean, she, you know she was doing her thing. Nothing. Now, now the reach was made. They they reached, <laughs> but they they had minorities and all those photo ops that they could find. They had the HBCU <laughs> presidents in a photo op. Uh, you know it, it, the the problem was in reaching. Uh, <laughs> They didn't really discuss any policies or approve anything. She was just trying to make Trump look great uh, as if that was going to win over the black community. And of course, as we now know, Trump obviously had different plans uh, as evidenced from his response to Charlottesville. Um, exactly. And even the policies, I'm thinking I made a great point recently. You know, we're trying to worry about whether, you know, Trump said the N word or whatever, but Trump says the N word every day with policies. Right. You know, the stuff they're trying to do with HUD. Right. The stuff they're trying to do as far as, uh, you know, decriminalizing weed again. And, and you know who's going to end up going to jail for that. 
you know, Absolutely. all of the, the policies they have, you know, say the N word much louder than, than Trump ever could. And, and so she's part of this, but she says, Hey, I'm there to try to fight for whatever little thing I can get, I can get for people of color. Right. That, that's her argument. Um, I don't, her argument, whatever that is, we know that it actually all comes to an end. Fast forward. I uh, was it January, I guess it's January, 2018 this year. Um, no, right before the Christmas party, December of last year, um, Kelly calls her in the office and we have a tape of this and says, Hey, uh, Amorosa, uh, we're going to have to make a separation here from the White House. Uh, in other words, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. <laughs> and he kind of tries to strong arm her by saying, look, what you've done is very serious. These integrity issues and, and the integrity issues here could get you a court martial this the military. But we want to make sure you don't go to jail and sort of keep you right. So, you know, you need to just, you know, sign this hush payment, pay, you know, papers and, and just sort of, you know, shut up and, and leave. Now, right. the story they told is that they had to drag her out kicking and screaming because she went to go yell for Trump to save her. She says that didn't happen. But we do know this. She later had a conversation with Trump, which she taped for us again. And, and we heard. And in that conversation, she's talking to Trump about it and says, hey, Trump, I'm gone. He says, oh, I hate to hear that. And she's, I didn't know. They don't tell me anything around here. I'm just president. Ooh, boy, I don't like, I don't like you being right. gone. I, boy, I wish they could do something to change it. Really? You the president, right? But now I wish Gosh they could do change it. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. Gee willikers. <laughs> it's too bad. Wow. I wish I had some power around here. Um, now this is a guy, by the way, who's willing to flaunt every norm, you know, to get his people in. He's got, you know, his kids in the, in the White House. Baron is chief of staff. Right, I mean, you know, the ten-year-old he does whatever he wants, but somehow he cannot get Amorosa back to her BS job, and Mara. so she's got to go. And at this point, she realized, okay, I, I guess you know these fools are clowning me. I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm gonna go on reality Big Brother for a while because you know that's how I, I know how to do my stuff. It's going on a reality show, but eventually I'm gonna come back and write this book, and then ruin Sean's drive back from LA. We're just battling <laughs> in, in the books. So I think that was her master plan. It worked well. The couple things about it was we talked about earlier about her not spilling the tea. And what I mean by that is the tea she spelled, I wanted to hear her say, oh, yeah, he was talking to Putin every day. I, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, I came in there and caught him, you know, masturbating to Putin on, on, on Facebook, on FaceTime. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing I wanted to hear. Right. Um, I would have taken any half of that, too. But that's not what she's talking about. She was doing that kind of, you know, Kwame, stab Kwame in the back type stuff. So she's talking about how, you know, Trump originally thought that uh, Jared Kushner was gay when he first met him. Who doesn't? Or, or, or stuff like um, that, you know, that, that ditzy DeVos and that uh, Kellyanne, you know, nobody respects her um, and, and that, you know, she, she, she can't keep her, her, her feet off the couch. And, and, right. and maybe knees together, you know, that type of stuff, right? Um, <laughs> she, she spills a little beans about Trump, you know, using the N-word and being a racist, being crazy, but not stuff that we didn't know. We know all this stuff. And I wanted to get the real tea. And my theory, and I, you know, I, I'm probably wrong, my theory is, is that she really, you know, wants to come back. And she knows that Trump has already fired her three times from The Apprentice and brought her back. You know, you know, she can come back in second season, right? You know, the apprentice, uh, the, the White House reality show. And she's trying to get back for the White House. And what she's really trying to do is position other people to quit, right? They can bring her back as mammy in chief or something. 
but she figures she <laughs> she can get cushioned to quit. He talks about he, she, she talks about how Trump gets a little chummy with his daughter, and it's real scary and, and freaky. But you know that's not the kind of stuff that get him impeached. And by the way, if he was running in Alabama, get him you know get him a name right. king. <laughs> Just that kind of stuff. So, and, we, and it's not stuff that we don't know because exactly. I mean, he nothing, does that openly. You know, Melania doesn't like him. Duh, right? It, it's all that kind of stuff. When she's trying to sell a book, but I'm surprised she didn't really give us the dirt. She's hinted on TV that she has some some Mueller dirt, but she certainly didn't spill any of the tea for us there. And you know, she got my fourteen ninety five. So so good for you, girl. Um, but but the real issue, you know, we talked about. I think the more important thing is that she she taught me something, or she, I think a lesson that I think a lot of people need to learn. For years, she defended Trump as not being a racist, and she said the reason he wasn't a racist is because he's been good to me. He's helped my career out. I got a net worth of three and a half million dollars, according to the internet. he's been good to me. In other words, she judged his racism on the fact of how he treated her. And I think a lot of people do that. I got an argument with a woman today on on Facebook. And the first thing she wanted to do was tell me how many black friends she had. Oh yeah. That's, that's the out. That's one of my best friends is black. (laughs) Absolutely. right. And, And we have to get past this idea that says, Oh, Racism is the treatment or, or you know, good or bad treatment of individual black people. Because, right. you know, you can be <laughs> extremely racist and still have your favorites. Well, this is, you know, another interesting, fun Omarosa fact. Uh, she apparently used to be in a relationship with Michael Clark Duncan right before uh, he unfortunately passed away. And I always wonder in my mind, I wonder what Michael Clark Duncan would say when she was going to work and touting how great Donald Trump was and all that. I wonder if Donald Trump would say to Michael Clark Duncan the stuff that he says on the Mark Burnett video. <laughs> now, 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 here's the thing about it. Let's be fair, Mr. Butler. Michael Clark Duncan, you know, sadly dies in 2012. Can you believe how long that was? It was that long ago? I cannot believe it. Right, exactly. So he never came across those two things uh, together at one point. She does spend a lot of time in the book trying to convince people she didn't kill him. Because sadly, she was there um, when he had, I believe it was a heart attack that he eventually died a few days later on. And so she, you know, there were some suspicions, right? Michael Clark Duncan's family definitely thought she, she probably killed him. Um, and, um, and, and as a result, you know, she spends a fair amount of time trying to say, Hey, hey you know, I, I, I didn't kill him. I, I believe her. Um, uh, you know, but, um, but, 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 but I do know for 1495, uh, I didn't buy that book to you to tell me you didn't kill Michael Clark Duncan. Um, <laughs> I, I love, I love the brother in the green. I love the brother in all the stuff. All right. And rest in peace, brother. Um, but, um, but, but, but that's not why I bought the book. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to hear your Michael Clark Duncan denial. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it would have been interesting to see, you know, uh, how he would have, re, you know, responded uh, to, to, to this later. Now, the thing, you know, with Amorosa is, and, and I think, you know, for a lot of us is, and let's get to it, Jesse. Here's the big issue is, is she invited back to the cookout? Well, we, we took a poll uh, <laughs> and, uh, the answer right now is hell no. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'll give you my reasons. Um, f- 
first of all, I think that it has become blatantly obvious that Trump is a number of things. Uh, He's uh, clearly a racist. (laughs) Uh, He's clearly unscrupulous. There you go. Uh, Probably sexist, too. There you go. Uh, And definitely has some xenophobia going on. Uh, definitely some Islamophobia going on. How much more time do I have? Uh, so, so, anyways, um, he got all and, phobias. And he he has everything. And my thing is, you knew that. Like nothing that she's saying in the book, and nothing that she's saying in any of her interview spins now. None of this stuff would have been new. What really bugs me about Omarosa is she went on a tangent trying to talk about how. He is not a racist, but yet you still felt the need to record your interactions with him for this purpose to right. preserve and memorialize racist stuff that you felt he was doing in order to be able to expose it later. But you can't just do that after you've caused all this destruction to the company, to, to the country and, and our status in the world. And then just come back and be like, psych y'all, I was just playing. You can't do that. It doesn't work like that. And, and she needs to feel the full force of, you know, black shoulder, cold shoulder. She needs, she needs to feel that. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give her a head nod if she was walking by. Certainly wouldn't give her any dap. Certainly wouldn't give, she's not invited to the cookouts. She's not allowed entry into the beauty supply shop. I don't want to see her anywhere near mac and cheese. I, like, I think that she has to basically be out in the cold for what it is that you did to set us back. And I think it going, going back to your point, you can't conveniently pick when somebody's racist. If, if racism is something where we're supposed to be standing in solidarity against an outside opposing force that wants <laughs> the complete opposite of what we're doing, you can't say, well, hold on real quick. Let me go make some money with him and I'll come right back. You can't do that. No, you have that, to make you, you can't. And now, you know, her argument's amazing, but she'll say, well, I was trying to be the, you know, the, the force that would prevent him from going full racist. I was trying to get us something. That's what she argument, you know, she used for the black pastors tricking them to come and ruining their, their churches, you know, and, and they're basically saying, Hey, you know what? Come to the table. You know, you guys might be present anyway. You might as well, you know, try to get, you know, some leverage here. She was going to set up those stupid interviews she had with Mike Tyson and Steve Harvey and, you know, and all that stuff. Right. And, right. and that argument though is, is so backwards. It's saying, you know, I tried to work with our oppressor to try to lessen the oppression. But how about not getting him elected in the first place? Right. And now we don't have to worry about you trying to lessen, right, anything. And and also the argument that you were trying to lessen the oppression. Uh, yeah, sister. I, I don't think so. I, I think, by the way, she'd still be there now working in the for the oppression if uh, if 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 uh, Kelly hadn't you know given her the boot because she called Donald right trying to talk to you know trying to sweet talk him back into a job and I tell you he called tomorrow um you know she she'll be there but here's what she gonna be there without she ain't gonna have no sweet but she she, I, she she ain't gonna have no 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 mac and cheese she no. her her weave gonna get nappy because hopefully your sisters in Atlanta don't sell her no more hair do not sell that sister no more hair <laughs> all right right. And, 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 and lastly, um, I'm gonna tell you this now. Um, if I see, if I see her anywhere near a sweet potato pie, if, 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 if all she can get is patty pies, all right, because we don't have no control over Walmart. <laughs> so she can have patty pies, but I don't want to see her nowhere near a sweet potato pie. It's pumpkin for you, Amarosa. Pumpkin. Right. And, and I just don't understand why, why does she feel that she gets a pass to come back 
why isn't she hanging out with Diamond and Silk? Uh, <laughs> Diamond and Silk, <laughs> I'm sure they don't have anything better to do right now. So, oh, you know, they can make music videos. Now, think about it. They're still loyal, right? They're, they're, they're still loyal. Now, one thing she does mention, and I think it can help us sort of make a transition to Cohen, because Cohen says sort of the same thing. At the end of the book, she says the thing – it made me lose my mind when I, when I read it earlier, but, 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 but I'm going to sort of I, – I, I think I can come back from it now. But at the end of the book, she wrote this. This is how it ends. But for me, 15 years later, through The Apprentice, the campaign, and the White House – I can finally exhale. I've escaped from the cult of Trump world. I'm free. And so she says, you know what? The important thing to know here. Yeah, he ruined the entire country, the Constitution. We probably will never be the same. But I'm free. Ali Ali Oxen free, free, free. <laughs> Cohen says the same thing. Cohen says, his lawyer comes on TV last night. Now, remember, Cohen pled guilty yesterday as the day we we're taping this to um what eight uh, eight hundred counts of, of various um crimes including <laughs> federal election fraud um stood up in court you know said hey you know Donald Trump made me do this and his lawyer said you know what he's finally broken free of the cult of Trump world and right. everyone seems to be sort of you know in this mindless trance at least that they argue about now, with Cohen, help the people understand the legal things here. And one thing I wanted to ask, ask you is, 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 you know, the more experienced lawyer between us is how does this work where before they even charge you, you come in and be like, oh, let me admit to this and that and the other thing. You ain't even got to, you know, serve an indictment of me. You think about it, normally you say, hey, go get a grand jury to say I'm maybe guilty right. and then we'll talk. Right. And you're like, you know, just, just tell me what, what, I, what I need to sign. Where I need to sign? Right here? Or right here? I'm going to sign right here. What do you think is going on behind the scenes? So uh, there are a couple things that are interesting about this particular plea situation, uh, at least from what's been reported to us of it so far. What we do know is that he does not have to provide any additional testimony in court as part of this plea, right. which is very, very interesting because typically when a prosecutor offers a plea, they're offering this for some item of value to return back to them. Uh, so there's two ways this could go. Either it could be, I know you all can prove every single case that you have against me and I'm going to fall on the sword and just plead guilty now. So we don't have to go through it and I can protect <laughs> and insulate right. the president from having to deal with any of the questions that will undoubtedly come. That's one way. The problem is it also was reported that he implicated that president Trump was the person who told him to do these things. So, it tells me that the reason they don't necessarily feel like they need him to come testify or anything like that is because he's already said everything. Okay. He's already confirmed everything. He's already done what they need. I figured that Mueller's team or Mueller's team has already gotten everything that they need. They just needed the, the seasoning. They've already made yeah. the turkey. They've already made the stuffing. They've already made the mac and cheese. Okay. They've already made everything. They just need the cranberry sauce. That's all. all right. <laughs> and that was that. Now, it presents an interesting scenario because technically, if you plea and um, you're, you're not testifying, any of the statements that you made before the plea ordinarily would be hearsay, right? Because right. you can't cross-examine a there statement that was given outside of, of, of court. Um, and 
that is weird to me. I don't know if, uh, you know, and of course, this is a federal system and uh, I think Southern District of New York. So it may be completely different rules than what I'm accustomed to as a North Carolina lawyer in and of itself, practicing primarily in state court. Right. No, but, no, you, you have the right um, idea. I mean, yeah. you know, the hearsay laws apply in, in New York as well. I think, however, the recordings, he doesn't need to come up and testify about what the recordings play if, if the recordings are right. there. And so maybe right. they've got enough on the recordings. Now, I find that amazing. That's the thing that I find most amazing. Not amazing. I find to be sensible, but but weird. Everyone who deals with Trump, these people who love them some Trump, love him so much that they got to record everything he says. Because uh, <laughs> that's how much they trust him up front. Right? Remember, Cohen right. was like, I'm going to fall on the sword. This is my boy. I would, for him and his family, I would throw my kids in, in the, under the bus, me and my kids, and especially that right, wife. Right. I never really liked her anyway. Right? And he was riding <laughs> to die. But I'm still going to keep some recordings because I'm not sure how ride or die Trump is. And, and I got to tell you, that's the thing that, that found amazing. Same thing with Amorosa. You know, the argument, the, the story is, is that even when you dealt with big, time law firms, they wouldn't record them because, you know, that's illegal and, 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 and certainly unethical. But they, what they right. would do is have two people in a room with them to make sure they always had a second witness so they could say, right. hey, no, you didn't say it was going to be free because just like Comey, right. right? Think about it, even Comey, right? Everybody, that's the amazing thing about me. How are you going to be the president of the United States and nobody trust to be in a room with you because they don't think that you're going to, you know, that, that you're going to tell the truth about what they said later. Like, I know Cohen. Cohen was trying to get that on recording because mm-hmm. he the, the thing about Stormy or whatever, because he wanted to make sure he got his $130,000 back. Because Trump would have been like, what you talking about? Willis? <laughs> that to uh. me is impeachable enough. If you can't be trustworthy enough that your boys can't trust you to pay back the hundred thirty grand and you worth billions... Right, they got to get a recording of you to make sure that you come through. Now, how the heck are any of the rest of us going to trust you? You know, the guy is amazingly shady. Everybody who works with him knows he's shady, and they all roll except for the gangster guy, as you, you know, the guy that you that you would give a daps right or die. <laughs> Paul Manafort, aka Uncle Paulie. <laughs> Uncle Paulie. <laughs> so you know, with Paul Manafort, he was the campaign manager. Uh, and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, it looks like Paul Manafort from the criminal side of things is a stand up guy. He went to trial. He lost horrifically. Uh, <laughs> he is looking at, uh, allegedly looking at about 80 years. Uh, I will tell you for a fact that I seriously doubt that he's going to get 80 years. Uh, but I just can't guarantee it because if it comes back, I'm sure people will write into the show. <laughs> so I don't think he'll get 80 years. I think he may see 10, like a sentence for 10. And then, of course, with uh, federal court, you only have to do 85% of the times you get. So technically eight and a half. Oh, but that's right. His boy, who he did all this dirt for, is president, and these are federal charges. So his boy can pardon him at any point in time once the sentence is imposed. And even though people are saying, well, that would be so uncharacteristic of the presidency, you would really tarnish the image of what the presidency <laughs> represents. Uh, grabbing women, <laughs> uh, mocking disabled uh, reporters, uh, supporting neo-Nazis, uh, 
uh, uh, instituting a ban for countries based on a religion, um, <laughs> putting kids in cages <laughs> under <laughs> aluminum foil sheets, uh, all of those things also tarnish the legacy of the president. Oh, so, I'm the FBI, the FBI corrupt, <laughs> right? And, and saying you can't trust the intelligence agencies, which, by the way, here's the weird part is, that's almost black. Right. If we leave Trump in there long enough, you'll have an afro with big pick in it. Right. Because, you know, that's what we've been trying to get people for years to not trust the FBI. Right. And somehow Trump is on our side here. But when it's, when it's, when it's, when it's this boy, I mean, Trump has done things. Think about it. You imagine Obama come out and while the U.S. government was trying, I don't know, Saddam Hussein, he was in there like Saddam is innocent. I don't know why my, 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 my people from my Justice Department are trying this innocent man. This is a witch hunt. How in the world would that even work, right? You're supposed to be the head, the chief law enforcement officer, and you're like, oh, no, we shouldn't be enforcing these laws at all. Forget tax evasion. Um, and, and you can see, you know, that Trump is just, you know, so you're right. I wouldn't put it past him at all, all right, to, to, to pardon Manafort whenever he wants to. Manafort is an interesting guy because part of you says, well, you know what? He only is going to get like 10 years, eight and a half years. But the guy is, is like 65. Or sixty something, and, and I don't know about you, but um, I can't do eight and a half years in prison. Um, you're a fairly young guy. I, I'm old, but I can't do a I can't do eight and a half hours on a plane. By three and a half hours, I'm starting. This tube is getting a little claustrophobic for me. All right, I feel a little. I can't. I can't breathe. All right. Uh, you lock me up in a cell. Um, we, you don't have to come get me in eight years because I ain't gonna make it. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to make it at all. And you can't give me no shoelaces. Um, you can't give me a belt. You can't give me a uh, dental floss. Um, you, you know what? I, I, I will, uh, you can't even give me uh, a piece of paper because I will make a noose out of it. All right. You will not be able to keep me in jail for eight and a half years. So Mount Paul Manafort, it, I am sure he's depending upon that pardon, but he is patient. It's an amazing man because he's been living high on the hog. And I'd every day be like, uh, you sure, Trump? Uh, you, you sure? My theory is, is that the reason Manafort will not roll on Trump and wait for that pardon is because uh, he know Putin is waiting for him on the other end. Strong possibility. And he might want to be able to, or I don't know, drink something ever again without worrying about it being poisoned. Uh, he might not want to have to, you know, to, to squeeze all of his own grapes to get wine. Because uh, he won't be able to buy nothing anywhere without the without thinking that Putin doesn't put something in it, and so right. I think he's going. You know, and the Russians are proven they don't play that right. They will come. They will fight. And here's the thing about the Russians I love about it, well, not love, but it's horrible. But the people like in Britain that he went they went after, it wasn't mm-hmm. some spying they did like last week. This is spying they did like in 1942. Like, Right. So Manafort know that he and his family won't be able to be free for about another 800 years. Right. <laughs> if he screwed Putin on this one, there'd be some great grandkid in the year 2158 who gets it. Right. So he knows he's got the, you know, I, I, I think he's, you know, waiting for, like I said, he's going to hold tight, be loyal to Putin. Once Trump lets him go, right, he can go anywhere. Right. He just needs to be able to get out that cell. And so I think for the most part, you know, um, you know, he's, he's got Putin or he's got, he's got, he's got Manafort's loyalty. Um, for a little while. Well, and, and the other thing that I always think about too is, you know, you kind of got to look at people's trajectory. Like when he got on this whole, I'm going to have accounts offshore and transfer this and transfer that. He amassed, I think they said 
His net worth was like $72 million. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a guy who was wasting money on ostrich jackets and all that <laughs> just to clean it up. You know, I just to clean the money up. I bought an ostrich jacket. Who has that? Right. So, <laughs> so this guy did all of this stuff. He amassed this fortune. And so the question when we were going back to could, could you do eight years? The question really is, could you do eight years for $72 million? And I don't know. That's a little tougher for me to. to well, but here's the thing about it is I think they will think about it. You know, it, it, part of his, you've seen these sentences. Part of the sentence, by the way, will be, uh, you owe us $72 million. Yeah. But I don't know if it's, if, if he's done the offshore, uh, banking thing correctly. Right. And he's funneled it to whoever he needs to funnel it through. I don't know that the federal government necessarily is able to collect that. I or think they that could they say, hey, you know what? You know, we'll, we'll take two years off as part of this, you know, part of your sentencing deal if you agree to pay back, right? The money. They usually try to leave you pretty broke. Ask Wesley Snipes. Right. <laughs> and they ain't letting you get away with nothing, right? And, and you know, that, that's just bad president. Think about it. Anyone would, you know, for 10 years might, you know, be willing to steal $72 million, right? And so, you know, you want to be one basically, you know, leave the guy broke on the other end. Um, you know, it is going to be interesting. Um, you know, what he does, you know, going forward. I, I don't think, I think it's becoming a point though, where his testimony isn't really necessary. You know, he's thinking, well, we can get a, people are thinking, hey, you can get a plea deal if you tell people about what happened at that meeting at Trump Tower. But, uh, quite frankly, I think they know what happened at the meeting at Trump Tower. I've already, I've always known what, what happened at the meeting at Trump Tower. Right. I, I think we all know. We I all think know. Even- even the Trump supporters know. We we all know. Right, we We're all know what happened at, at, at the meeting, right? And so, you know, the idea that this you know needs to be drawn out, you know, it, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting going forward. Um, by the way, a couple other things in blackness this week that I forgot to mention earlier. One, um, my wife and I on Monday saw Black Klansman. Okay, Spike Lee's movie. Right, and, right. and uh, I got to tell you, Spike, I've missed you since since Do the Right Thing. Uh, I believe that was like 1988 or 89. Um, no, maybe Malcolm X. Malcolm X, but, but Spike, the last 25 years or so, you've been making some crazy stuff, all right? Um, but, but I'm glad to see you back, brother. This, this was a good movie. Um, I, I, you know, it's a story of a brother who's a police, uh, one of the first, the first black uh, police officer in Colorado Springs, Colorado. He decides that, uh, he's going to infiltrate the Klan. Now, um, spoiler alert, uh, it's harder for a black man to infiltrate the Klan. <laughs> All right. I, I won't give away the movie and how they do it. Um, very, very interesting movie. The most important thing to me was, uh, they, they was set in the seventies and, um, this, everybody had a very, very, uh, active and, uh, energetic Afro in the movie. Nice. And here's the thing, Justin. This is I put the challenge out. I'm put it out to to our to our to, to our faithful podcast listeners. Um, we should go back to the Afro. And but, but but you have to be able to grow it right. And I'm not sure I can grow mine right. Mine might end up looking like kind of a Jufro. I'm not sure how mine's gonna come out looking. You know, uh, I got a lot of Indian in my family. Right, so my, my hair might 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 come out curly, uh, but but the afros these brothers had in the movies were the kind of afro where it does not move. You can be in a car chase, running down the street. You could be in a pool of water, and your afro still gonna stay round. 
all right, in the same size, <laughs> all right, in general consistency. Sister had yeah. an Afro that you'd have to store in the overhead compartment if you got on a plane because they're not going to let you take that through. You can't, you can't have that in your seat. <laughs> right? You can't take off with that kind of Afro, right? You got to put that up, up, up top. And, 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 and I, my goal, I, I made the commitment. I am not cutting my hair again until either, one, we are all free, all right? We got racial justice in America, or two, not all of the Golden State Warriors backcourt can pass for white. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 brother Steph Curry, as long as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are on the, the Golden State backcourt, or we have racism in America, I'm going to keep growing the Afro. And my goal okay. <laughs> is to get it so big, I can't even get it in my car. I got to ride with it top down. All the time, all right, even in the rain. I'm going to get wet because I got Afro. My goal is to really grow the Afro that big. I think as people, we should grow the Afro because, quite frankly, under Trump, that's really all we're going to get out of this. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm looking forward to, to going to see it. But what I did see was uh, clearly he doesn't want to be referred to as just Denzel Washington's son. I know that. <laughs> He wants to be referred to as Denzel Washington and Pauletta Washington, who is a classically trained pianist from Juilliard, uh, and who made more money than him initially, and who right. paid for the first date, and, and who paid the cab fare. Like he did his mama proud because I, I was like, wow, I knew Pauletta was great, but he was like, nah, this is this lady is is awesome, and y'all gonna stop discrediting her just talking about Denzel Washington. That that, like was, that that was very cool. That that was very cool. I think the brother appreciated it. But I have to give fairness to the brother who was doing the interview. I, I didn't know who he either, right? You know? And Denzel should should maybe should, maybe should have helped out, you know. Everybody else put their wife in the movie. Um uh, put, put Paul in, in, in in a movie somewhere. Or at least, you know, get a name tattooed on your chest or something. Right? I never I never knew who the sister was. Bad sister. Um all I see is Denzel at the Laker game, you know, by himself, sometimes looking crazy as they did in the meme a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm not mad at either one of them, but I'm glad the brother is, um, it's, I gotta tell you, you ever see the, um, Denzel Washington's son in, um, the movie or in the TV show, HBO show Ballers? Yes. Yes. He's good there too. I like the brother. Yeah. I like that show. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that at the beginning, I was like, man, this guy, Sounds a lot like Denzel Washington. And I never really put it together. <laughs> so Here's the thing that's crazy. Huh. He goes by, by the way, let's be clear. We should get the brother's name because he doesn't go by Washington, does he? I think so. I think it's John David Washington. Let me let's see. Denzel Washington's son. I got to do it now. So he goes by, oh, yeah, I guess it is. John David Washington, which I guess is Denzel's son, right? I mean, I guess you know, he's the same last name, so I'll give him that, all right? <laughs> he's not trying to hide it. I hate the fact when people, like, try to hide it, but they don't really hide it. Like, I'm Emilio Estevez, right. but everybody still know my daddy's Charlie Sheen, because I want to make sure right, I'm right. right. <laughs> right? <laughs> or Martin Sheen. So at least he actually, you know, he said, forget, I'm just going to be John David Washington. Um, but uh, but the, the afro was tight, man. I, I got to get one. Now, are you are you taking a challenge, Jesse, right now? Man, I wish I could, man. I'll take it, take it, man. Do collect it, man. I just cut my hair yesterday. Oh, man. After about two months of growth, uh, and my hair is such that once it gets to a certain level, it doesn't matter how much you pick it, 
It doesn't matter how much you wrap it. It doesn't matter how much sheen you put in it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It just starts to look like some misformed thing. It's not an afro, but it's not curly. It's right? not quite Kendrick Lamar. It's, a, it's, a, it's all over the place. Man, so, I'm curious to see what mine's going to look like, because I could end up looking like uh, Phil Spector. <laughs> Remember the dude, the Hollywood producer who killed the woman that had the crazy hair just all right. over the place? It could be Medusa up in here. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I haven't had an afro since the seventies, uh, and it, and it was it was always bad back then because it was never anywhere within the same length all the way around. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I'm interested to do this, maybe get, you know, get some Afro sheen, uh, really work this out. But I, and I'm also really, I'm interested in walking into a speech and talking to a group of lawyers about legal ethics and showing up with a 17 inch Afro. I, I just want to see <laughs> if, if, if anybody's paying attention to anything but the Afro. Um, you know, so I might, I might start doing a daishiki. I, I'm, I'm debating that one, but for now, I'm going to be the suit and the big Afro. I think you can do the dashiki. I don't think that's an issue at all. I think people will accept that. They'll just say, oh, yeah, he's really in tune with his culture. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and speaking of being in tune with uh, culture, I, I do want to give a special shout out to the students at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Yes. The beloved uh, Tar Heels. You know, I've been, uh, you know, a big Tar Heel fan for a long time. And it's glad, you know, it's good to see some of that fandom paying off. Uh, stop, uh, stop. Don't, don't you work for Duke? I do. I do. And it's, a very, <laughs> it's a very great institution. But the problem is this, man. I am from Durham, North Carolina, where you are lined up in, in the first grade and basically have to commit to a team for the rest of your life, regardless of the outcome of your life. You are so, disloyal. <laughs> you you and Amorosa are dogs. Sad. Sad, disloyal, well, sad. Yeah, and, and there's no there's certainly no hatred of Duke. I, I definitely appreciate Duke and everything that they've done for me. Uh, but you're a Tar but, Heel you know, fan. Tar Heel fan. And, All you right. know, they, they made me very proud yesterday, and I'll tell you why. There is a that, – well, I should say there was. There was a <laughs> statue at uh, UNC's campus, and it's a statue that everybody affectionately refers to as – Silent Sam, and I'm not referring to the silence of the black people who he was there to condemn. I'm talking about, uh, you know, they, they call him Silent Sam because he's supposed to be this random Confederate uh, soldier who's always staring to the North in preparation for the next battle when the North comes to invade the South and all that crap, because a lot of the Southern states, for those of you all who are not uh, living in the Southern states, have this uh, mythology, uh, if you will, that the war is still going on. The war being the Civil War okay. is still going on. And somehow they're going to reunify and complete it. And you have states like South Carolina who actually advertise that they never signed any treaty to right. join the Union. Uh, they make that very well known on uh, when you're riding the horse tour through Charleston. If you're black, uh, so, so, uh, these things happen. But anyway, yesterday, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, very progressive town, right? And in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, there was this Silent Sam statue. Now, 
The statue in and of itself, you know, we've got a million Confederate statues right. in North Carolina. That's nothing special. The problem is this statue was dedicated to UNC by a guy, a historic figure, very popular in North Carolina history by the name of Julian Carr. So stroll with me, if you will, on a brief history lesson. Julian Carr is a a, a big time industrial magnet, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy changed the way that tobacco was produced and distributed in North Carolina. For those of you who know, we were a huge tobacco state, the number one producer of tobacco for many, many years, beginning in the early 20th century. Well, uh, what you may not know is Julian Carr was also a very notable and very notorious Klansman. <laughs> so he's, so he's uh, to say he's racist. Uh, let's see. If you put Julian Carr beside Trump, Trump wins. Julian Carr is to Trump what uh, I guess what the atomic bomb is to Hiroshima. Julian Carr is is super racist. Mm-hmm. How racist is Julian Carr? Well, for the dedication of the Silent Sam statue, he actually bragged about beating, horse whipping a black woman on the campus of UNC. Uh, it as, as for what he construed was disrespect of a white woman. And this is the welcome Silent Sam speech. So historically, this thing has been a problem. Okay. People have been seeking removal. We've got this new thing going on through many of the Southern states. Some governments have picked up on it. Some have not, but many of the Southern states have a new enlightened population of young people who are saying, look, it's time for these relics of the past to go. These things didn't come out until the 1920s and 1930s. We know they have nothing to do with honoring any Confederate dead. We know they're here to be relics and instruments of white supremacy. We know that they need to be purged. We know that there's people at our school who may not necessarily look like us, but who feel a certain type of way about these statues being on public property because you is a public school, right? We all pay tax dollars for that Confederate statue to be up in pristine condition. So uh, we wanted that removed for about 10 years now. The university has found every loophole, every way to get out of moving it off campus. Right. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, the students decided we're going to do a community service and do it for you. And this silent silent Sam statue came crashing down to the delight of many young people and many a minority. And it presented an interesting dichotomy from the perspective that the people who brought this statue down don't look like me, don't look like you, right? The people who brought this statue down were what I have uh, called, what I'm coining, a phrase I'm coining, woke white people, right? (laughs) So so you brought the statue down. Well, this creates an issue because, you know, ordinarily, if a black person destroys state property, what happens to them? Right. Right. They go to jail. You're certainly getting expelled from school. There's certainly going to be some serious and egregious consequences. Consequences and repercussions. And repercussions. Absolutely. But in this case, it's different. Why? I can't quite put my finger on it. 
Oh, let me guess. 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 It's because of the shoe size. They got two shoe sizes, too small. That's what it is, right? No, 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 no. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> you know, Paul Mooney has this thing where he talks about complexion for the protection. Oh. Um, it's the hair color. It's the hair color, right? It's the hair color. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's race. I'm going to say that it's having uh, relationships with parents who actually pay the tuition and who actually have authority over some of the the booster funds and well, things absolutely. of that nature that, that the school really relies on. Absolutely. Um, so now all of a sudden this is being viewed basically uh, from, from the length of a 10 foot pole for, as far as the school system goes. Now, of course, the governor has chimed in, and because he's the governor and he has to say something authoritative, mm-hmm. he has said, you know, students may be disappointed with the, the pace of change, but it doesn't give you the right to take that change into your own hands and knock things down. Which, I mean, I get it. You're the governor. You can't have people running around breaking stuff that's quote unquote state property. Uh, but, you know, again, it was here for. Uh, a little over a hundred years, you had plenty of time to do something if you were going to, and you didn't. Well, but well, see, this that, that's, what, that's what bothers me about it. Is that is, 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 go ahead? So you were saying the, the 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 funniest part of it is we have somebody in our general assembly, and I'm not going to say his name, but I'm just going to say if somebody showed me a Klan membership card for him, mm. I would believe it. Right. right. So um, <laughs> he's in the general assembly, and he basically gives a statement to the press about he believes that riots were the cause of divisiveness in the first place and what created this supremacist culture. And so as a result, he doesn't believe that riots are the way to get rid of it. And I think (laughs) it's very funny that somebody who I'm 97.8% sure is a Klansman. Mm. It's funny to hear them talking about how anything to change or destroy Confederate monuments is a riot but not acknowledge the actual riots that have happened throughout uh, North Carolina history and American history. The riots involved in Wilmington race riots, perhaps. The ones that Julian Carr, the guy we were talking about oh, before, he loved that. was no, that was his favorite one. For, That's his favorite was one. an advocate for. He wrote articles in the News and Observer about how great of a riot it was. Oh, right? absolutely. So, it was his favorite. Now, he had several he liked, but that was his right. favorite. <laughs> All right. right. I seem to look at here from the source of all truth, Wikipedia. And basically, uh, 2,000 white men ran to the streets and they killed an estimated, uh, wow, I love this. How do you go an estimated 60 to more than 300 people? So somebody wasn't counting. All right. But the point is, it, it was a lot of people. And I imagine they were, uh, let me guess, a black people. What? That's why you don't count them all. Now, the thing that bothers me about UNC here, though, and so I'm going to blame this on the basketball team and who's your coach (laughs) there, uh, Roy, whatever, whatever name he is. You, 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 you and Dean Smith and Michael Jordan too. Back to Michael Jordan. Mike, the show fault too. All right. Here's why it bothers me. All right. What was the purpose of having those statues there? And the fact that you have black students, by the way, making all your money for you on on the team and they got to walk by every day. All right. This guy who is looking out to the north to make sure that people who come in to free these black people don't get here. Right. Again. Mm-hmm. 
and, and the idea is you would never go to Yeshiva University and say, hey, let's put a, put, put a Hitler up in here. And, you know, it's no big deal. That was 60 years. That, that was, you know, 50 years ago. That's our history. All right. Mm-hmm. There's not a Hitler statue anywhere on the planet. Because what he did was repugnant, and we have no use for that anywhere. But somehow, the only people who start a war, lose it, and still get honored are these people fighting for white supremacy. Because certainly, I don't imagine anywhere in the world there are Prussian statues or, 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 or Mussolini statues anywhere. Um, somehow, we're, we're constantly, you know, lionizing these people who started a rebellion, all right, for the purpose of, <laughs> of keeping other people as livestock. And that somehow is a part of the heritage you want to keep? Really? What, what, what do you what do you what do you what do you want monument to herpes next? The worst thing you've ever done is the thing you want to rem- remember, <laughs> right? Big Bertha from from the club in two in two thousand four. That's what you're trying to keep, all right? right, right. It seems to me that you know this pride over white supremacy is something that, and here's why the university didn't want to deal with it because they have alumni who you know racist alumni who, who they want that check from. Right. And so they're like, hey, I'm not going to piss off my racist here. All right. Let the students take care of this. But here's the thing about it is UNC, really, you don't have enough money. You got an endowment. But if I look at it here, it's several billion dollars. You, you, you need to you need to kiss racist butt, too, for, for the money. You, you, you don't have any more pride than that. Let me tell you something. If you were listening out there and you are very, very um, staunch, proud, um, club carrying uh, clan member, uh, get the hell off the podcast. <laughs> we don't need you. I don't get why UNC is trying to cater to racists in 2018, right? You know, like you actually, and, and they get state funds. We don't get any. By the way, Arizona, North Carolina, you want to kick in, uh, we'll leave the PayPal account. But you're a state institution. Why are you trying to cater to that? Why wouldn't you take it down and say, as a matter of principle and respect for these black people that you like to see run around here and, and get C, CTE for your benefit on Saturday, Saturday right. um, we're right. going to take this down out of respect for them. We're going to take this down for them, respect for them, respect for us. Because the best thing we ever did in 200 years wasn't keep people as livestock. So maybe we're going to have a little respect for ourselves and, and try to, and, you know, and, and not um, try to have this as our, as our shiny moment, the year we started a, a, a revolution. I'm sorry, not a revolution, an uh, insurrection. I'm sorry, no, that's not the right word for it. Treason. <laughs> well, you know, I, and again, I totally agree with what you're saying, I think UNC has always prided themselves. They're, they were the first public university in America. So they, they pride themselves on that. Um, every black history month, they try to scour the records to find the first black people. <laughs> <at> the <laughs> UNC. Um, you know, and, and granted, uh, UNC for the longest time, because, you know, Duke is, is in the grand scheme of colleges relatively new. Right. Um, UNC has been here since really before America was launched. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Um, you know, with them, that they they have one aspect that is all about preserving history. They have another aspect that is all about trying to be progressive and innovative and modern. Right. So I think it's a testament to the students who are currently there that the university is at least in theory teaching the philosophical principles that we would want a diverse uh, uh, group of students to have as they prepare to enter into the real world. That's great. The problem is, and this is not just UNC, this is just a a Southern issue altogether. So anything from 
uh, Maryland to Florida and out West, as far as racism went, <laughs> as far as it goes. Um, the, the problem is that we try to move forward with progress without ever dealing with the initial issue that caused the division in the first place. So nobody wants to deal with slavery. Nobody wants to deal with white supremacy. Nobody wants to deal with the end of reconstruction. Nobody wants to deal with Jim Crow. Nobody wants to deal with that. They want you to look at a snapshot in a textbook and say, Hey, that's sufficient. It's over. (laughs) Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's just move forward. But yet, even the institutions that we are are having to subscribe to have already been indoctrinated with these principles from the 17 and 1800s that never got addressed. And instead of trying to go back and let's start from scratch and remake it, everybody just wants to keep on going as business as usual. And I think in Southern states, there's a vested interest there. I think that there's certainly a vested money interest in people who made money off of those institutions keeping those institutions lucrative, right? And returning a um, a producing a return on their investment for anybody who came in to help them out. So there's that. But America's going to have to deal with this stuff one way or another. I mean, we can't have but so many Charlotte, Charlottesvilles in a given time frame. At some point, you have to address that these issues exist there's a community of people that by not moving the statue, you are actually oppressing. Absolutely. And there's a community of people who, by removing the statue, they will feign like they've been oppressed, but they really know nothing about oppression. So <laughs> and they need to come to grips with it, you know, with the university saying, hey, you know what, you know, we're going to be grown now. All right. And that means that as grown people, we're going to get past these these fantasies of white supremacy. And you can either move to the 21st century with us or you could take your 1750, and, 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 you know, for, I'm sorry, you know, the twenty five hundred dollar booster package you buy. Right. Mm-hmm. For Chapel Hill. By the way, everybody in the state of North Carolina wants anyway. And you on a 10 year waiting list for to get one. We'll no. sell your booster package mm-hmm. to somebody else. All right. And they were no. more than happy to take it. So it's not like, by the way, they'd be losing anything. Right. It's just a matter of standing up. To he, you know, the, the dean doesn't want 200 calls to his office tomorrow. But sometimes as a grown man, you got to do something that gets you 200 calls to the office. That, that's just how, that, how right. that works. And so, um, so, so Dean, yeah, I'm, I'm, you and Michael Jordan. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on a list. All right. Both of you. All right. Get stuff together. Um, speak, 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 speaking of which, um, we, we're getting ready to, to head out here. Uh, we got all the blackness this week, right? Oh, that's everything. I think everything that I know of. Well, good. I got, there were some other things I want to talk about, but we'll save that for off the record. We'll save that off the record, and also for for, for not, you know, um, you know, sometimes we get out. We, we were tempted to get out of our lane, but we're gonna stay in in, in our lane for for now, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll branch out slowly. Um, um, but. <laughs> Also, I, I got I got to get home. I ain't, I ain't been getting home like I was supposed to, and um, I, I got some pot roast waiting for me, and, um, and, and maybe something else. So anyway, the point is, I got to get home, brother. Uh, <laughs> 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 maybe a little <laughs> dessert. Um, and I'll make this a, a real quick summary. What I will say is, it's always easier to clean up in the aftermath of a removal than it is to talk about a process of removing on the front end. Mm. That is the moral of today's podcast. 
Make sure that you spread the love about brothers-in-law to all your friends, family, no matter what continent or country they're from. Be sure also to include reviews. We love hearing good things about the podcast. Uh, so include your reviews on iTunes. Give us five stars. Uh, talk to us on our Facebook platform, brothers-in-law, B-R-U-T-H-A-S-N-L-A-W. And uh, with that said, we will see you all next time. We're also, by the way, on Twitter, right? Yeah. Oh, we're we're on all the platforms. And we don't use Twitter that often. But here's the thing: is just today I did my first ever uh, troll of the president, and it was a (laughs) lot of fun. So I think I'm gonna spend. I I think that's all I'm gonna do from now on. So um, I'm retiring from my job, and I quit. I'm telling you that now. No more. I'm just gonna troll (laughs) the president all day on Twitter. So we catch you on brothers-in-law on Twitter as well. Hey, thanks so much for everybody. We will see you next time. (laughs) 